spirituality, consciousness, health, and mindset. Welcome to the Ascent Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Chris Hopper. And I'm Dan Harrison. Together, we are all wisdom and knowledge seekers. Hey, what is up everyone? This week on the Send Podcast, we dive deep into the power of the breath with Yogi Master Engel. Engel is the founder of Pranayama Sadhunana, and at a young age, Engel, just like us all, began asking the questions, who am I, where do I come from, and what must I do? And this pursuit ultimately led him down a path of yoga, and he has now devoted his life to the practice of breath. And he's been practicing pranayama for 20 years and he's been teaching for the last 10. So we all know life as we know it is absolutely dependent upon the breath. To breathe is to live and without the breath there is no life. Not only humans depend upon breath for life and health but even animals and plants must breathe to live and depend upon the breath for continued existence. You may exist for a short time without eating and even a shorter time without drinking, but without breathing, our existence can be measured by minutes. The breath is one of the first things we encounter as our meat suits exit the womb. A baby draws in a long deep breath, retains this breath for a brief moment and then exhales in a, sh- in a long sigh. And behold, life on earth begins. Likewise, the breath is also the last thing we do. An old man gives a faint gasp, he ceases to breathe, and then life on earth ends. From the first faint of a breath of an infinite to the last gasp of a dying man. Life is one long story of continued breathing. And over the last few years, I've really started to tap tap into and cultivate and understand the importance of breath. And, And through my understanding, breathing seems to be like a consciousness technology. A way to bring back our consciousness to the forefront of our body. And it seems to be that when our consciousness isn't at the forefront of our body and isn't at the driver's seat of our meat suits, we're just operating on automatic pilot. And we're just and when we're just rushing around and letting our heads run the game, from that position we cannot make real decisions. And to me the breath is a huge part of the manual that allows you to bring your consciousness back to the forefront of your body and back to the driver's seat of your meat suit. So I know you're all going to love this one. And just before we jump with this, you can now support the podcast by going to our Patreon page. And Patreon allows you guys to crowdfund this thing. And in the process, you get to receive some really cool rewards. As you know, we have never bombarded you guys with stupid ads or products. And if you are loving the podcast, please spare a few minutes, check out the different reward tiers, and why not spend the price of a cup of, a co- a cup of coffee each month and help us take this to the next level. And thank you so much to all our current Patreon members. Your support in this conscious movement really means a lot to us. So anyway, let's jump in with this one. Enjoy. Yeah, but um, Engel, we are really looking forward to having a conversation with you today. And um, over the last few years... I've been understanding the power of the breath and I've been tapping into it and really paying attention to sort of what the breath actually provides us in our lives and um, how we can also, I've also started to understand how it can be used to retain this 
different level of consciousness as well. And I think it's amazing as well that um, how the breath is really starting to come back into more the, the masses' mind, so to say, and uh, more and more people are starting to understand the powers of it. And obviously I know this as well because more people are starting to, like certain people in the world are now bringing forward how powerful the breath is and starting to demonstrate it and um, show the incredible powers of the breath. And also science is now starting to come in as well and validate and show how powerful, powerful breathing is. But I was just wondering just to start this, like what led you down the path in your life to really start studying the breath and dedicate so much of your life to understanding it? Um, I, I would definitely go, I, I would say that what has started me on this path is the one thing the breath offered that nothing else offered, you know, martial arts offered me, um, it, it, it taught me loyalty, it taught me honor. Um, so many things taught me different things. My parents taught me manners. Um, friends taught me, uh, you know, how to get along in social engagements, how, uh, what was culture and so forth. But, you know, you, you, you kind of probe those things quite well with your mind. And especially if you're interested in having the sense of agility with the mind, you get bored. You kind of say to yourself, what's next? What's next? And, you, you know, I, I, maybe you guys can relate to this. You do so, you do something and then you kind of want to move on from it because you feel like you've mapped it out entirely. Mm. Um, whereas with the breath, it's the one thing I've never been able to really map out entirely. And it's funny that it's so, it's so distant in our, in our society. And I think it's like that for a reason though. You know, we're, we're an interesting society that's very based on, wanting what we can what wanting what we want now and we're, we're, patience is not a quality that's very prominent in our society and we're a society that is desire based we're passion based we we seek pleasures in everything we do and so you you see someone walking down the street in a beautiful you know outfit and right away you notice them you may judge them you may become influenced in wanting to dress similarly to that but if you see someone Know, sitting down meditating under a tree you, you first thing that comes to mind is boring um, what's possibly fun about that i'd rather go bouldering i'd rather go climb a tree or i'd rather yeah. go surfing so you know back on track here the breath is just one thing you know i've been chasing it and chasing it and i, I found it in martial arts as a child and i noticed that when i would regulate my breathing my precision in striking became very much more effective um, when I would be, you know, rolling on the floor, um, jujitsu. I would notice that I wouldn't be out of breath. You know, sometimes when you're, in, um, you know, sparring with your partner, you're breathing for for both of you, and you you get, you, you get out of wind pretty quick. And so, I just my my whole life was this kind of experience since a young child faced with, um, as many people are faced with, you know death and darkness and ignorance and you know my, my grandparents dying um you know kind of back to back in a way when i was younger and in so many words just faced with so much death faced with so much darkness and i guess my that was kind of this push behind me and it, it kind of gave me this opportunity to ask questions and you know my parents in school they never had an opportunity they never had anything for me they, they, they i would ask so much from them and i just couldn't they couldn't provide me with what I needed. And I, you know, I would love to give you an elaborate story of how I found the breath and how I came to where I am today. But the truth is I absolutely don't even know. I, I don't, I don't know how I've come to this place of, you know, understanding the scriptures and, and reading them and, 
where I am. All I can say is it's kind of like a snowballing effect where you, you get into one thing and you, it just keeps rolling and you're picking up new things. And I think the moral of the story, though, is knowing how to let go of what you once had so you can move on to something new in an entirely new light with a clear mind and could really be able to absorb it and assimilate that knowledge and to utilize it in a practical manner. Yeah. So, you know, not, not, nothing fluffy here, nothing um, too out there other than it's just been some interesting thing that's just come into my life and I really have no idea. And all I'm doing is really probing it and running with it and giving it all of my attention. And that means dedicating every day, all day to this. Yeah, no half in, half out. And that, that's kind of where we get lost in this life is that we... We, we, we wear many identities, you know, we, we, we want to practice yoga and we want to, you know, have this job and we want to be a DJ and we want to wear this clothing and we want to be you know, religious, we want to be cultural, we want to be sexual, we want to be emotional, we want to be mental. There's so much identity to us and wow. we get lost, you know, maybe you guys can relate to that as well. No, I could relate to that when I was younger and still can relate to that with uh, identities we're trying to let go, kind of like the the analogy of your cup if it's always full how can you learn yeah yeah definitely i mean i think we're, we're both obviously on that journey now we're trying to like trying to like well like you said there before trying to find that map to that certain thing but like like just to jump back as well when you said before because i love when you said uh, the breath has no map because i think that's so true about life in general as well life in general doesn't have a map doesn't have a map and i think you've got to be okay with that and just let let the let the sort of let the journey take you wherever it wants to take you sort of say and um and I think it's what you said before as well, just to go back as well, the point where you said saying that you're trying to find that, you found that you couldn't find the map to the breath. And I think that's okay because what I've realized with the breath, and obviously you'll probably relate with this as well, is what I've found is that the breath sort of has no seal into it. And, um, and what I've found about the breath lately as well is it sort of, no matter who, who you are in life, it sort of transcends beyond everything. It sort of transcends beyond religious or dogmas or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call it. It cuts through all that rubbish. And I think the cool uh, thing about the breath is, no matter obviously who you are, we all have this connection to it. And I think that's the beautiful thing about it. Yeah, we we all have a connection to it. We are all breathing beings. I, I mean, just to sit there and think about it, what is one thing we do in our day that doesn't require us breathing? Mm-hmm. Like one thing, if we could even sit there and give ourselves a day to just contemplate that one idea, what is one thing we do that doesn't require us breathing? You know, that maybe that'll open our eyes a little bit. But again, breathing takes patience. You know, the yeah. world is, this is a breathing world. Every single person in this world is breathing. And the quality of our mind is predicated on the quality of our breath. But just because we're a breathing world doesn't mean that, you know, everybody's going to have the best breath. And um, that when we really begin to shift, as you're, as you're kind of mentioning, as we begin to shift our breathing, we notice that the quality of our mind begins to shift as well. And we notice that we're interested in other things. We're interested in different colors, different smells, different sights, different sounds, different senses of feeling. And it's just this big experience that the breath is, you know, I would say I don't know, I don't understand how I've come to where I am today in understanding the breath, but I will say that the breath, the breath is the teacher. The breath is what will absolutely, like you said, it, it is what allows you to transcend everything. And I think that's because it is the one thing most dear to us. Mm. I mean, I can't, I can't think of one thing more dear. You, you know, I've gone 40 days without eating food. Um, I've gone 
a week without drinking water and you know your life can be measured by mere minutes without breath That's so there's something to be said about the breath for sure yeah, it definitely puts all of life into perspective, really. To say that, and you see every single minute of your life in your breath, and I think that's, I think it's a fascinating intake and how you just put it there. Like you can't, you may go without a certain period without your um, food or your water, but the breath, it is actually you. It is you completely in your in who you are, and that's what's more powerful about it. I mean, let's let's think about it for one second here. I'm chatting to you guys. You guys are listening to me. When you swallow, as you listen to me speaking to you. Your swallowing requires puraka, your inhalation. And so when you swallow, you're inhaling. When I'm speaking to you right now, I'm actually exhaling and I'm adding an audible tone to that exhale, which is creating this, you know, this, this tone, this audible voice that you're hearing. So everything we do, drinking water requires your inhalation. Speaking requires your exhalation. Everything is predicated on the breath. So it's, it's very interesting. We could go further and further and down that hole and see how many more other things are requiring the breath. Mm. So, Engel, I know the three of us all know that the breath can, like, alter the body and mind. But if any of the listeners right there might be asking, like, how is this even true? And how exactly does the pattern of breathing influence the body and mind? Like, what would you say to them? Well, there's those that want empirical truth in this life, right? And there's such thing as yoga called the individual reality. And so your reality is different than my reality. You could tell me I went under this banyan tree today and I sat there and a, a branch fell on my head and I had this enlightening experience that the world is more profound than I believe it to be. I could believe you, but that's your reality. I have to experience that myself. And I think it all comes down to people having their own tangible experiences. Science can only tell you so much. You know, someone ran a test in a laboratory and the that test was based on specific requirements and they came to this understanding to this finding which led them to a conclusion now you believe them you believe what they say but you weren't part of that that wasn't you you had nothing to do there you had not you were not part of that that study you weren't you weren't part of the question you weren't part of the theory you weren't part of the experiment and you weren't part of the conclusion you have to bring the breath into your life you have to put to work your breath you have to put to work your mind very often in life we come across knowledge and we think the greatest thing we can do with our knowledge is to share it but we always fail to sit there for a second with our patients and to really put the knowledge we've come into understanding putting it to work on ourselves. it's very easy to come into understanding and awareness of something in life the moon is this way the earth is this way the stars are this way the sun is this way and we tell people all about this we tell people all about these things that are going on in our life our stories we fail to put this profound knowledge we're learning to work on ourselves. and i think that's when people can really come to an understanding within themselves we need to Science is beautiful, but it can only tell us so much. You have to have these experiences within yourself. There's a saying, yogic philosophy can't be debated, nor delegated, nor even discussed. It's something that has to be experienced within yourself. And until it's experienced, you have no way of relating to this. There's no recognition. And sometimes we, we would like to look in a, in a textbook and read words and then 
convince ourselves that's enough recognition, but it's, it's not enough recognition, not for something deeper, something that's yearning inside of us. Right? Mm. Um, so I would sit there and I would say, how is, how is the breath influencing the mind? That's what you guys are asking, right? Yeah, how does it influence yeah. the body? In a really profound way, there's a saying that the mind rules the body, but it's the breath that rules the mind. Now, like I was saying to you, communication is based on the breath. So that means that the audible communication we're engaging in right now is actually primitive based to the, based on the communication that could be, that could happen through the breath. So pranayama is a, is a very mysterious path. It's, it's, Definitely the, the, probably the most hidden path of knowledge in the world. And it's the most secretive path of knowledge in yoga. It's something that's not discussed often. There's not many textbooks on there about it. The textbooks that are written about it, the scriptures are codified and the ones that aren't codified are very vague. And, um, and if not vague, very mechanical and following the lines of kind of the movement based culture we've been in for the past, you know, hundred years. So it's, it's a very interesting science and it's very secretive, but through the breath, we're able to really stimulate the mind. All that I can say is if, if I sit here within myself and I close my eyes and I begin to lengthen my breath, I begin to really bring a beautiful quality of breathing within myself. Um, you know, regular, the average person's breathing anywhere from 20,000 to 80,000 breaths a day. And if we can really slow our breath down, you know, begin lengthening my inhale for 30 seconds, exhale for 30 seconds, and just sit there consecutively for 30 minutes, you know, you really begin to notice a sense of tranquility and peace. And in that tranquility and in that peace, there's a sense of clarity. And in that sense of clarity, we're able to really understand what makes us tick, what's really influencing the projection of my thought, what's really influencing me to delve into my memories, what's influencing me to have a state of awareness. And so with all that in, in play, it's a clarity of mind that gives us the most profound insight in this world, this most profound insight to be this living being. And with that clarity, we begin to see all, all the things we do that have direct causalities. So in a, in, in a really calm clear-based mind, we see that what we do has an effect. We see that everything that is passing us by unnoticed is always there, always available, but we don't see it, we don't experience it because we're so bombarded by the external stimulus, the objects of our senses. So the breath, I think the greatest thing that the breath does for us is it brings a clarity of mind. Now, there's a lot of students out there, there's a lot of people who have engaged in the breath and you guys may be able to relate to this is you, you experience vivid colors. Maybe you experience, um, you know, these beautiful shapes and wonders within your mind. You, you travel to places within your mind, but the greatest quality we could ever get from a breathing practice is a sustainable sense of clarity. And in that clarity, we begin to really map out who we are, our identities, our actions, what our actions are based on, what is influencing us, and our need for things. I need community. I need my family. I need my my clothing style. I need all of these things. And 
then we kind of move into this beautiful place of renunciation. We renounce, you know, the people that aren't assisting in this seeking of knowledge. We renounce traits that are keeping us interested in lower qualities of living. I'd rather smoke weed all day and sit down and drink a beer and put my feet up. And there's nothing wrong with that. But when we're doing that, we're definitely not reading scriptures or reading the most recent scientific findings on what existence is. We're, we're kind of moving into this place of lethargy. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I, I love that point back there, by the way, Angela. I absolutely loved it because um, what you were saying there about it's about developing your own awareness back to your breath. Like, you, like yes, yes, it does. We know now in science, yes, it does sort of, it lowers our cholesterol level. It sort of changes the actual chemistry in our body. We can actually sort of tap into the, like the biological level in our body. But like you were saying there, it's about sort of putting that into practice and actually just bringing the awareness back to your breath and your day to day life. And, um, I was, and I want to ask you this, but do you think we actually have, we all have that natural wisdom to sort of tap back into that? Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. Yeah. And I would also go a little further and say that we, it's the adolescent mind that's interested in the scientific findings that if I breathe a specific way, it spikes my pH level. It allows me to control and modulate my inner temperature. It allows me to control the fluctuations and the palpitations of my heart. It allows me to drop in and out of different brainwave states. But it's the mature mind that puts this to work and really allows you to, excuse me, allows you to really engage in this process of, you know, the hardest thing to do is to actually sit down and breathe, to actually sit down and get comfortable with yourself and say, I'm going to dedicate you know, the next 30 minutes of my life to just sitting in comfort, sitting here breathing, and then resting in this meditation and allowing yourself to develop these experiences within yourself. It takes time. No one, you, a lot of people get really interested in what Wim Hof's sharing, but they never realize that he's been, he's been practicing. He's been putting himself to work for, for many, many years. And this is not something you sign up for a 30 day course or, or an eight week course where you get what he's getting or you get what, what yogis are getting where you're controlling your temperature. You're not enduring, you're adapting. And it's because we are so constantly engaged in this adolescent state of the mind and not doing the hard work of being in this mature state of the mind, which is based on presence, based on patience, commitment devoted to this path of understanding who am i what who what am i capable of where am i going where did i come from mm. and when we do that we begin to really unfold interesting things that we will actually for some time have trouble explaining to people what it is we are experiencing within ourselves but ultimately is it our job to gratify and justify what it is we're experiencing if I walk barefoot through the snow in the forest in the middle of a Canadian winter and enjoy myself out there, am I doing it for everybody? And am I going to go and let everybody know this is possible through the breathing? Or am I doing it because I'm actually in a state of just peacefulness? It's actually no different than the, sun, the, the summer. Or it's, it's, it's just a, a state. You're in a state. And... Um, you're gaining control over your senses. You're gaining control over your mind. What else could we possibly be doing in this life other than learning to control this body and control this mind? What's more important? Yeah, I couldn't think of one thing. People like to control everyone else and think, oh, I need to control this person, that person. I need to control 
all everything what's going on around me, but instead they're completely mis misguided on controlling themselves. And I think it's very interesting when you said like people want to do these like thirty day courses and they're still in this like adolescent state of mind, like you said. And you see it, and I find it like the play, everyone likes to play on these instantaneous moments. I mean, especially in the Western world, we've been caught up with instant food, water, stimulants from all different sources. And when you look at society now, why do you think there is such like this big disconnect between the body, breath, and mind? We're just a capitalist-driven society, and it's been influenced upon us uh, for for the past hundred years, uh, maybe a bit longer too with all the media that we have out there and all of the, the stimulus, it's, it can be broken down to really a simple formula. You have your mind, your mind is, your mind contains thought projection, memory and awareness. And there's two gates to the mind, the gate of sensory perception and the gate of sensory action. When we learn to understand the gate of sensory perception and the gate of sensory action, we can then begin to understand what's influencing the quality of our mind. And there's a lot more in depth, uh, conversation to be had there about that, but maybe a little too far for um, the people listening on the podcast here. But it's um, th- there's a formula to really understanding the mind, and there's a formula to understanding the body, the field of the body. What is its body? What makes it tick? And the reason the breath is the most pr- pranayama is the most prominent practice in all of yoga. We it's it's the thing is it's codified it's 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 not spoken of out there it's something you got to work for you have to work for it with your knowledge you have to work for it with your physical work you have to really put yourself to work for it but we're just very much influenced by our environment and if you think about it, you know you, you see a beautiful woman walk by the street what is the first thing that comes to your mind you don't go there's a human being. Wonderful. I, I hope they're having positive thoughts and they're quite interested in learning to influence the involuntary systems of their body. Oh, you, know, you think, oh, her beautiful, her figure is so wonderful. And I wonder what I could do to pleasure her, maybe to have her talk to me. Maybe she could pleasure me. We, we're so bombarded by our external environment. We see a tree. Oh, maybe I could cut that tree down and make a table out of it or make a house out of it. We have ambition. We have desire we have we're pleasure driven we're passionately driven and we've been told and convinced our whole life that passion is everything but we we don't realize that when we chase our passions we're moving really fast now i ask you guys right now who sees more things upon the road the person who drives by in a car or the person who walks yeah definitely the person who walks yeah definitely right and that's that sense of patience that we we need to cultivate within our lives i i could say this to you guys i could say the greatest thing probably the most something i'd feel most comfortable sharing with you guys here would be this we need to come to an understanding of what does patience mean and what does sustainability mean apply it to ourselves and constantly evolve our idea of what patience and sustainability is our pursuit of knowledge needs to be sustainable it can't drain our vitality it needs to make our vitality go up to 100 percent. it needs to learn it needs to stabilize our mind patience and sustainability i think these are two qualities that don't exist in our world and they're just starting to come into our world as we leave this kind of age where we've been identifying with this outer experience and we're 
I think you guys could really relate to this too, especially with the topics you choose to um, bring forth on your podcast is that the world is really moving towards the inner state, the inner occurrence. Would you say? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. I just want to jump back as well before, because um, when you were talking about when the girl was walking down the street and we actually, we, we don't, we don't actually look beyond her figure and things like that. It's really, it, that is really true because we talked about this on the last podcast, but I proposed this question to Chris and I asked Chris and I couldn't answer this and he couldn't answer. And I says to him, how many times in life do we actually do things that aren't for pleasure? And, um, it seems to me that we are like these little pleasure monkeys. We're run, running around and the whole the way the game is set up is to sort of generate uh, pleasure from every single situation. Um, I mean, I don't know if uh, it's hard proposing this to you, but, I want to ask you this. Do you, do you actually do anything not for pleasure in your life for yourself? It's quite hard to, it's quite hard to answer that. You know, it's, it's hard to, um, it's not hard to answer, but it's, um, maybe it, it's hard to sit there again. Imagine with, if, if we were seated in a, in a mind that was clear, how easy would it be to dig into, you know, rewind, fast forward, pause, everything that we've ever experienced in our life based in our memory database. Um, but, but I'll say this, that when I'm led by my pleasures, um, for instance, I want to go and have tortilla chips, organic tortilla chips with organic salsa and with organic, you know, um, vegan um, cheese sprinkled on top and... And, and you convince yourself, I want this. Now, no, nothing's bad about any of that. All of that's fine. Yeah. But it's when we're led by our senses, it's it's a sense of pleasure. It's a, it's a lusting. I'm lusting for this specific yeah. food group. And I'm lusting for this food group because I've had it once before and I'm trying to recreate it. So essentially, we're not really living in this moment. We're, we're not really living as we are. What we're doing is trying to recreate what once was. And so... When we no longer chase these pleasures, we're chasing something else. We're not um, in the Bhagavad Gita. Krishna talks about um, renunciation. And what he's meaning by renunciation is that doing the work, but not dwelling in the fruits of your labor mentally, the mental fruits of your labor. You know, So you guys sit there and what's something you guys really enjoy doing? Uh, each of you, a one hobby. Um. I've got, I've got, I've got so many different dimensions to my life. I love, I love doing so many different stuff. I'm someone who likes to, um, dabble in so many different dimensions of life because I love, I love experiencing everything. You, you, you love nature as well, don't you, Dan? You love nature. Whereas I love, I could just sit in, in the house and write all day and just express mine on a piece of paper. Yeah. Na- nature, being in, being in like a nature environment is somewhere that I feel pulled to. And it's it very interesting because before when you were talking about the breath before and you were talking about, tapping into them senses and opening up the senses through the breath. It's very interesting because even just with, I know this is on the topic of nature, but even sometimes when I go into nature and I'm sit, like there's sometimes I can go into, I can go to the woods somewhere and I can sit for a few hours by myself. And for some reason, that seems to me to open up some sort of senses within my body, like you were, you were talking about before, the opening up the senses through the breath. That's the same process that I go through in my mind where I start seeing the colour of the trees better. I start witnessing noises noise and little sounds of insects that I wouldn't have heard before but I think as well it's tied into the breath as well that's what the breath can do the breath can sort of when you're sitting with your thoughts by yourself or even just when you said before you're walking down the street slower than you would would have before you can notice some little subtle differences in people's the way that people present themselves the way that people walk you, you, like you said before you don't have to look at the girl with the curves you can look beyond that and question is she having a good day 
what's going on in her life, what's going on in her mind. And I think that's what that's what the breath does in, in doing things that take you out of the take you back into the moment can actually make you realise the bigger picture about life and see the tiny minute details that you wouldn't normally see. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You you and nature is a great like you if you start working on yourself and start applying the breath to your to yourself, you begin to kind of question, okay, well, why am I living in this little apartment? Maybe I could move into a house that's close to a forest. And you start, you know, everything in your life starts shifting. You start making these shifts. Um, where I was going with the girl walking down the street um, with the objects of our senses was that in this life, we we, we are very much action-based. We, we, and in our culture, it's physically physical movement-based. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in the past, the, the, the reason the breath is such a powerful tool, what the yogis were saying to themselves when they, you know, thousands of years ago, they were trying to figure out what is the most efficient way to harness vitality. And I say vitality, but I mean prana. And they, they thought maybe through through movement. And we all know if, if you were to sit there and to just do squats without, without any weight on your shoulders, you know, you could probably get to 200, maybe 500 if you practice, but after a while, you're going to start fatiguing. Physiologically, you just, there'll be a point in which you give up. You, you can't keep going. And they thought to themselves, maybe maybe movement would allow us to be able to come into connection in the most sustainable way of harnessing prana, but then they realize it's not sustainable. They thought chanting and mantra um, would be a great way to come into connection and learn how to harness and control prana vitality but they realized that you could only speak so much until you lose your voice. Yeah. And then they thought to themselves, what, what's the one thing that's allowing for this movement to take place, for this voice, for the singing to take place? And they saw it was the breath. And they saw, well, we breathe every day, all day, whether we're awake or we're asleep, we're constantly breathing. It's one thing that we do that actually doesn't stop in a day. And so they thought, well, this is the most sustainable way of learning to harness prana. So they saw right away a, a door or a key, maybe you could call it, a key to entering kind of this door of the divine. And it was through the breath because the breath is so sustainable. I can sit here and know a breathing practice must always be sustainable. If you bre- if you can't do your breathing practice for say, and I share this with students all the time, if, you, if the breathing practice you're choosing to engage in right now, if you can't do it for six to eight hours straight, then it's not sustainable and it needs to be no different than you and me sitting here breathing as we chat and talk to each other right now. And that's the whole purpose of pranayama is sustainability, patience, which brings forth the most profound sense of clarity of mind, which allows us to begin really understanding what are the foundational pieces that actually makes this universe the way it is. And the universe isn't really what we think it is. It's something a lot more simpler and it's something a lot more, it's not what we think it is, you know, maybe you guys understand that. I think science is kind of going that route right now and them saying that the universe may be, uh, what would they say? Not a projection, but it's, a it's, the universe is a simulation. It's essentially a simulation, no different than, um, kind of like a web browser, how it's set yeah. up on the internet. And in yoga, that, that yoga has been speaking of this for thousands of years, yogic scriptures, how the universe is essentially one big illusion that is determined by your senses. Mm. 
And so, I mean, if you guys were to sit there right now and think about what would be the quality of your life if you couldn't see, smell, taste, hear, nor have any sense of feeling, what would be, you would have no spatial recognition. You wouldn't know what is up, down, left, right, back, forth. Yeah. You, you would have, you, what would you be? Who would you be? Well, we've actually, big, sorry, Daniel, I was just going to say, well, we've actually proposed the question if, say, if you were born into a white room, there was no stimulant whatsoever. And you were just fed through um, a hatch in a, in a door. And you had no understanding of who people were, of anything, or what music is, what touch is, taste is. And we I keep asking the question, who would we be? And if we would put ourselves straight away into this world, what would we actually believe who we are? Especially if we've got no social conditioning, which is I think is a big issue at the minute, is social conditioning. Everyone wants to be someone else. But if you have this complete clean slate and you just walk out there into this into the real world, who would that person become? Well, how about I could give an analogy um, since I just had a child and he just turned one year actually. But this has been a very interesting path for me because I've been able to document and analyze my own breathing as an adult as well as students' breaths um, and seeing how the breath affects their physiology as well as their psychology. But one thing that has been very curious to me is what is the quality of a breath of a child um, in, you know, in the womb? Uh, what is the quality of breath within a child as they come out of the womb? Oh. Is there a sense of breathing within the womb and so forth? And so one thing that I came to see is that we're actually born into this world. Now, this is a very interesting topic, actually, because we're born into this world with a clean slate, exactly like you just said, you know, but un unfortunately the, the white room theory wouldn't work as well because you're still touching the food. So you have a sense of touch. You're still mm -hmm. tasting the food. You have a sense of taste. You're seeing the white. You're, so you'd essentially have to, you know, the study would have to be based on you being in a coma state where you're not using any of your physiological functions, just a mind based experience. Mm -hmm. But um, back to a child, one thing that I noticed when, when my child, so as, as a child, you can't control your urinary tract. You can't control your bowel movements. You can't blink your eyes at will. So th there's a lot of things that you voluntarily can't influence within your body. And so one thing I noticed in my child was that we had just cut his umbilical cord. And so in the first week, what I was noticing is that when, when, when my child, when my son Kailash was in the womb of my wife, he was being fed through the placenta. And then when he comes out of the womb, he's no longer being fed by the placenta. He's being fed by the breasts um, in his breast milk. So there's a digestive system that is now being activated because it's taking uh, a, sen a source of sustenance from the external world and then introducing it into the body now. And as well as he has a sense, he, he, the body is actually healing. For the first time, the body has to heal. You know, in, in the womb, it was just growing that all functions were allocated and delegated, delegated towards just growing development. So one thing I noticed in the first week is that while he was sleeping, he would be predominantly engaged in a lower diaphragmatic breath, which means that he was engaging in a breath that was drawing predominantly, I would say prana into the lower region of his, of his, of his torso. And what was, I was seeing was happening here is that, and what I've noticed in students and in myself is that this breath here was allowing th this increase of prana in this lower region of the body was aiding in the self-healing mechanism that was necessary to be activated you know, to heal 
the umbilical cord, as well as it was being necessary to be activated to helping him learn how to digest, assimilate, and excrete the, this external sustenance that he was now coming into contact with. And this had me come to this wonderful, wonderful realization that human evolution isn't based on what we actually think it is. Human evolution is based on one thing, and that's us learning how to voluntarily influence our involuntary system, the involuntary systems of our body. So what he was learning, as soon as he came out of the womb, the first thing that he did was he took a, a big gasp, a big inhale, held the breath for a, you know a fraction of a second to just absorb that life quality essence within his body. And then as he was going to exhale, let out a wail, a cry. And so he's learning to find his voice by slightly influencing a contraction within the larynx, which created an audible tone. Now, the next things that he was, there, there's a number, there, there's a number of things that, that we're learning to, to voluntarily influence with our mind at that age. And one of them is learning to control our urinary tract, learning to control our bowel movements, learning to control the blinking of his eyes when, say, a speck of dirt comes towards him and he closes his eye and stops the speck of dirt from going into his eye. He voluntarily influenced in that engagement. Now, something's really interesting here is that this is what we engage in our whole life. Until we get to about, say, puberty, we stop, we stop, we stop steering this course of evolution within ourselves. And we're constantly, my mind says right now, I say, lift my arm up and I lift my arm up. That's a wonderful, that, that's a wonderful thing to even think about right there. Your mind just said, move your leg and your leg moves. Your mind says, lift your arm and your arm lifts. You, know, you, you, you say, wave at that person. Your arm lifts up and you wave at that person. We, we, these things just pass us by and notice we don't realize how profound that task actually is that's occurring. Mm. And so this is happening our whole, in our youth, our whole, as, as a baby, as an infant, as a child, until we get to close to the age of puberty. And then as soon as we get to this age of puberty, puberty, we become very influenced by our external world. And this sense of evolution, this sense of development, this course begins to cease. And now can you imagine what would be the quality of us humans if we constantly steered that course of learning to voluntarily influence what we had no control of prior to? I know, by the way, what a brilliant answer that, by the way. And I loved it because what cut in my mind there, it seems to me that we've sort of, we've lost that manual, how sort of how our vessels really do work. And when you, it was very interesting before because when you were telling that story, it was beautiful, by the way, about yeah, your child when he was first born in the world. And you were talking about first sort of the first breath that your child had took, I was actually thinking in my head there that sort of in my it sparked in my mind it sort of your child was sort of becoming aware of itself and sort of becoming in alignment with everything sort of the universe or whatever you want to call it and that's what the that's what the first breath was it was tapping into that sort of that universal energy or frequency whatever you want to call it or just call it becoming one with itself that's what I was sort of thinking in my head. Mm-hmm. It's it's a wonderful thought. It's uh, when you know when we can spend our life thinking about these things, not thinking about the flavors of the food that we want next, or the way we can pleasure her or him next, or the way that we can uh, attain a new car, you know, get a new car, or get a new house, or get some new clothing. When we can focus on these these ideas, this is what really creates new openings, new new territories within the mind. And um, I, I, I think this is something the world is definitely interested in and ready for, but we just need to keep cultivating our patience. And that just takes 
consistency. Yeah, definitely. Um, so just just to go like beyond the baseline of sort of breathing and improving the body and mind, something else I wanted to um, delve into with you and see your thoughts on was sort of cultivating the breath in more powerful ways because I know as well you've been tapping at this as well and it's like the spiritual aspect of the breath and there's I know there's so many teachings which you know like yogis and when you said before about martial artists and things like that and they were like trying to like study and tap into that sort of spiritual aspect of the breath um, but I would love to know if you have any insight on in that area of like using this like tapping into the spiritual aspect of the breath and maybe how was sort of how has the breath sort of helped you with your spiritual aspect of your life well I, I guess when, you know, to me, spirituality means everything that we were just talking about. It means yeah. patience, um, silence, stillness. You know, it's like we can't eat our way to God. We can't, um, we can't have sex on our way to God. You know, like it seems, and Rumi says it really beautiful. Silence is the language of God. And silence is a beautiful thing anyone who ever just takes time out of their day to just sit down in silence with themselves and just to really allow allow them to focus on one direction of thought instead of an array of thoughts and just to make that thought more prominent than all the other thoughts you really come to a sense of awareness of just all the subtleties that were passing you by unnoticed as i said earlier and you begin to notice your physiology and um i i think a beautiful way to put it is to be able to see the universe. We need to see through the field of the body first because everything that's in the universe is identically found within the body. And so the, 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 I would say my life, the quality of my life, what I do, I'm, I, I used to love skateboarding. I used to love snowboarding. I used to love martial arts, but I have no interest in any of that anymore because wow. what interests me most is sitting in silence, engaging in uh, my breath and amplifying the quality of my mind through my breath so I can get to a place where my meditation, the meditation is, is the key. It's That's the place we're looking to go to. The breath brings us to a place, but the breath means nothing if we can't sit in silence and observe the quality of our mind because the breath is amplifying the mind. It's allowing us to control the mind, allowing us to control the field of the body. And absolutely there are wonderful things that can come from this ability of controlling the breath controlling the mind controlling the body once we learn how to control the body we can control and really influence our social environment through the quality of our breath now it may sound a little far-fetched but yeah. again this is something for people to experience within themselves and it's not something necessarily that can even be shared through through conversation it's something that someone has to put to work to themselves so Breath has made me, you know, I say in quotation, spiritual in the sense that where once I needed community, once I needed um, the special things in life, you know, the special colors of the clothing. I needed the, I needed a specific clothing type to determine my specific identity. I needed community as if that was going to make me more. And as my spiritual sadhana as my sadhana a practice that allows you to transcend the constraints of the mind and life i've come to a place where i see i don't i don't need anything but myself and if we what we realize is that our spiritual practice is evolving when we realize we don't need that which is outside of us to influence that which is inside of us wow. so like for instance i have a lot of friends who are interested in float tanks i have a lot of friends who are interested in psychedelic um, substances i have a lot of friends that are interested in sensory deprivation rooms 
uh, friends that are interested in specific sound frequencies that can alter specific qualities of the mind. But all of that is requiring something. Whereas using your breath and using your mind is just requiring you sitting down and doing the work. So I think that's the natural refinement of, of, of where I found myself is just realizing I don't need all of those things. I, I, I don't need all of my friends anymore, you know, whereas once I needed them to, to kind of solidify my place in this world as if I'm someone, I'm something. Yeah. Jeez, wow. now, now you came into this world by yourself and you're going to leave this world by yourself. And there's a saying that everybody that you meet upon this path in life is like a chance encounter of someone that you meet upon the road on a journey and they're here for this lifetime. And then when this life ends, that leaves too. And so the only thing that we seem to be able to bring with us into this next reincarnation is transcended states of knowledge. And it's really important that we pursue this path because you're not going to be able to bring your Cadillac. You're not going to be able to bring the most beautiful girl that you work so hard to get into the next life. You're not going to be able to bring your kingship status. You're not going to be able to bring, you know, um, all of these things into the next life. The things that are most predominantly going to push you forward into your next incarnation is the positive influences that you are really shifting within yourself. Oh. I think we just, we need to realize we're going to die. And it's going to be a very, very beautiful thing when, when, when each of you guys die. You, and I know it's a touchy subject sometimes for people, but you both are going to die one day. And upon dying, within an instant, you're going to be sitting there with yourself. And you're not going to be bombarded by any stimulus outside of yourself. And you're going to have infinite access to your memory, everything you've ever done. Now, now can we, we, don't, we don't even realize what is actually contained in our memory. Every road that you guys have ever driven down, every sidewalk you've ever walked upon, every color in every room, every house, every tree, every speck of dirt that you've ever come across within your life, every single thing is contained within your memory. It's there. Every single thing that you've seen within your life is in your memory. And when you die, you're going to have infinite access to your memory. And in that moment of being able to sift through everything, fast forward, rewind, pause, play, you're going to sit there and you're going to say, my God, I can't believe I was so caught up in all of this self-concern. And you're going to realize in that instant moment, the path is the path of knowledge. It's the path of this transcended knowledge. And you're going to want to reincarnate right away. And you're going to reincarnate. And it may take you 20, 30 years to come back to that realization in your next life. So if you, if you have this realization right now in this life, in this time in your life, ask yourself, how far are you willing to go and how, what are you willing to do to go further and to, and to keep peeling back the layers? Well, right? I, I really, I really, I really like that there, by the way, Engel, and I really resonate with that. I mean, and something came to my mind there as well. And I don't want to, I don't want this to come across negative or condescending in any way, but it's just, it was just something that was on my mind. I wanted to sort of propose to you because, um, I was in a similar position to you where I was, um, where I thought that, like you, when you mentioned before about skateboarding and snowboarding and things like that, wasn't actually, you sort of wanted to sort of release the shackles from it, from being attached to it, sort of say. Because I went, I went through a period of my life where, um, I loved playing football, like soccer for people in America, but, um, I loved it. And I, honestly, it was, it was completely who I was. And, um, I stopped playing football for so long. And then, um, I went back to doing it again. And I actually realized sort of 
at the time I thought it wasn't in alignment with who I was, and then I actually realised that it all along it was actually it was actually it was in alignment with who I, who I was. And what I mean by that is because um, what I've started to realise over the last few years is that like the sort of like being in a state of like sort of stillness within my own mind. And I thought for so long that uh, in my life stillness I could only be sort of in it. I could always I could only be in a state of stillness if I was sort of just me and just sitting with me breath. But and I think I mean I I don't I don't want this to sound horrible as well. But I think a lot of times people as well can sort of associate the that state of attaching yourself from something or being in a state of sort of quiet in the mind with just sitting still. And what I found over like last few years is actually. The best stillness in the mind that I found was sort of going out on my mountain bike or playing football or climbing. And it was sort of all them practices that accumulated together sort of forced my mind to be still and forced forced to tap into sort of this stillness or universal energy or flow or whatever you want to call it. And it was actually the sort of the, do, the, the doing of these things that actually sort of found my stillness. I don't know if you resonate with that. No, I do. And this is a great conversation. It's something that comes up often because... As myself, I once thought to myself, you know, how positive is it to sit upon your, sit in your own, say in a cave? Like, how does, how does the person sitting in a cave benefit the world at all? Mm -hmm. And, um, I think this, what you're getting, the sense of experience that you're getting is that, you know, you're, you're coming back to something you once did before, but you have a better frame of mind now in doing it. You're able to move your body in more of a systematic, intelligent way instead of just, you know, running in a way that was, you know, just serving you in that moment. So you're bringing your newfound knowledge and awareness and intelligence into that thing that you once did. And since you're already good at that, since your memory is, is, is available for you and how to perform those tasks of kicking the ball, having that sense of agility, the left, right movements, the lateral movements and so forth, it, 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 you're so much better at it now. And so it's, we think, you know, a lot of people, they, they're, they're marathon. I have friends who are marathon runners and stuff, mm -hmm. and they, they, they say they get this big high from this experience of running. But, um, they don't realize because your breath is so active. If you were sitting down and doing the same quality of breath you were doing while you were running, but not running, but doing that same breath, you would have a real deep, interesting experience just yeah. sitting down. So it always comes back to, to the breath and, Definitely not condescending at all. And I, I love the conversation that you um, have proposed to because it's something that I once didn't necessarily, I didn't know because I, I didn't really experience it within myself. But there was just a time in my life where, you know, in this past um, two years where I've been realizing how much that my, my own, and all we can ever do is ever speak on our own personal experiences. Yeah, definitely. And and I came to realize that everything I was doing was was based on the need of getting something from it. And so I just, so the path that I'm on right now is that, you know, like I could go hop on a skateboard and still do kickflips and, you know, nolly half cab heels. I could do, I still know all the terminology. You know, I could still hop on a snowboard. I could go and I could play hockey well. I could go and I could, you know, sometimes I'll see a punching bag at someone's house and I can yeah. totally throw down on that and have no question. I think it just comes to a place where you realize, you know, excuse my language, you just get so fucking good at something yeah, yeah. that you, you kind of say to yourself, I, I've done it. You know, I've completely explored it to the point where it's not that I don't get something from it, but it's that you, you understand it and you've kind of mapped it out to the point where 
it's just, it's doable. It's, it's simple. It's doable. You know, you look at that tree and you're, as a kid, you're saying, man, could I climb that tree? It's pretty high. The branches look doable. They look sturdy. You never know until you get up there and do it. And then once you do it, you climb that tree every day. You know, sometimes you do a good vantage point up top, uh, the sense of accomplishment. But essentially we, we come to a point in our life where we see, do I constantly need to keep living for accomplishment? Yeah. Is that what I'm here for? Is it for the accomplishments? Is it, am I even here for experiences? You know, so this, this life is a question mark, definitely. And I don't think anybody has it figured out. But I think one thing that really gives us a sense of, you know, what does anything mean if you're less, if you're left stressful or you're left, um, you know, questioning your finances or questioning if someone loves you or if you love yourself, you know? So if we do have those things, I've, you know, there's a couple students in uh, my class that I just recently had a training that I was teaching at, and uh, some of the students were saying, you know, what if we don't have suffering in our life? And, and that's the biggest thing. We're trying to free ourselves from our suffering. And uh, even when we think we're winning, like even when you're, you look in your bank account and you've got a hundred plus K in there and you've got the, the most beautiful girl or guy in your life and all your friends are supportive and super amazing, you probably stubbed your toe an hour ago and you're, you're still dealing with a sore knee or, or you've got, you know, a toothache. There's always some semblance of sorrow or suffering within our life. And so the more clear we get, the more we can see what areas in our life actually are in that state of sorrow or suffering. And what is it that we're doing that keeps leading to that? For me, I know that when I was skateboarding, I was completely invigorated by the experience. But, you know, it's hard on my knees. It was hard on my shins, uh, the board popping up and hitting me in the shins. It was hard on my ankles. Um, I'd scratch up my, my wrists all the time. I, you know, when I was doing jujitsu and Muay Thai, my, my, my shoulders would get like a sense of tendonitis in them because it was just so much movement and wrestling. And, and, and even though I would try to do it so sustainably, just the impact. And so I started saying to myself, now, I don't want to, there, there's a big contradiction here because the last thing you want to be is someone someone who walks around bow-legged because you sit down in meditation all the time and you, you have no sense of movement and agility to you. you know, we're not talking about that. We're talking, when we're talking about meditation and when we're talking about pranayama and the epitome of the human experience, we're talking about being able to do anything perfectly all the time. So yoga is all about finding perfection within this human vessel within this human field and so if we can't do specific things then we need to get we need to up our game you know we need to get better at what we're doing and that means coming to a clear state of understanding so we can assimilate necessary data to take on that task to get really good at that task to be able to perform and once we've performed we can always come back to that we can always be engaged in that yeah, I, lo- I loved how you said that and it really resonated because I was just thinking in my head there, it's sort of like the time you sort of take away from the thing itself when you were talking about taking time away from martial arts or snowbo- snowboarding or whatever it is, like I was saying when I took time away from football, um, it sort of, it makes you understand that time away from it, it makes you understand that you aren't the thing itself and um, I think Bruce Lee said this once, you were talking about how um, the sort of the art of the thing that you're doing, it isn't it isn't you, don't let it become you, just let the thing flow through you and um and that's what obviously what what we would what resonates with mine and your journey because we're sort of taking the time away just to realize that we aren't the thing itself. And that's that's what I thought anyway. Yeah, no, like he, Bruce Lee says, "Flow like water," and it's yeah. true. Allow yourself to be fluid. And I think I hadn't skateboarded in ten years um, back in I think two thousand eight, 
and it had been 10 years since I'd been on a board and a friend of mine said, Hey, do you want to film a bit of footage? And I said, well, that would be interesting. He says, here's like, I've got a board and some wheels and some trucks and all that stuff for you. I'll put it together. I said, okay, wonderful. And we met and got together and God, I, I, I hadn't missed a beat. It was like, I <laughs> never gave up skateboarding. You know? yeah. And it was just that I had that realization there. And it's just, we're just ultimately as human beings, the only thing that gets in the way of us being really good at things is our own self-concern. And that's, that's my definition of what ignorance is. Ignorance is us ba- constantly based in our own self-concern. I'm ignorant to learning something. It's because, you know, will they judge me for it? Am I good at it? Should I show them? Should I even do it? Am I even worthy enough of it? Is it worthy of me? It's all this self-concern, all this, it's, you know, this kerfuffle of the mind. Yeah, it's like your mind gets lost in these different um all these different worries and situations like but truthfully none of them really mean anything to be honest but the truth and i find um that looking looking at it in um, a w- big world perspective i don't think there's any anyone's ever going to find the answer and i think i don't think there's any going to be any one universal truth and but i think like life itself is just a complete collection of experiences which are acts as gifts and these gifts that uh, find your own truth and to find your own identity, not not in the sense as to, to take over, but in just finding that flow state in the mind, which kind of breaks down the structure of the external, and it creates the peace within. That's what I've always found. Yeah, it, finding that flow state, and just knowing inside of us that that flow state is so simple to access. Like like we we sit there and we think, what would it be like to have um, in yoga? We call it um, cities, like. Uh, paranormal experiences uh, spiritual powers and believe it or not the things like being able to predetermine uh, future events based on your actions and stuff all of that is really easy stuff to do it's just it's a matter of using the quality of the mind in a specific light that allows you to come to these determinations these understandings these awarenesses and you can break it down to to, to a, a number of things what was once a uh, a thousand probabilities that could happen to you. You could narrow it down with, with the right quality of mind to about five things. And if you were even more clear in your mind and even more aware and transcendental with your engagement, you could really narrow it down to see what is the quality of breath that I'm engaging in that leads to a specific personality trait that leads me to be engaging in a specific action. And that action leads to a specific outcome. So you can trace it all back down to the breath. So, Life, in a sense, is actually very, very easy. It's In yoga, here's a, a secret thing from the scriptures that I'll share with you guys. And it says that uh, the universe is created through Surya, and the universe is sustained through Chandra. Surya is your right nostril, and Chandra is your left nostril. So what's being said there is that as you inhale through the right nostril, the universe is created. What you see, the world that you are experiencing within your life is created because that breath comes in through the right nostril, creates this sense of fire, this sense of um, aliveness within you. In that aliveness, you're able to tune into the sense of perception. You see the world in a specific light. And when you breathe in through the left nostril, this is what sustains the world, keeps the world alive. Now, like I said, 
the, the, the scientists out there, they'll say, they say there's this many stars, there's this many universes, the universe is like this, the Earth moves around the sun, the, the Earth is round, maybe the Earth is flat, who knows what it is. But how does any, all of that's predicated on your five senses. Yeah. Now, I know psychologists are super interested in this. I know that the ancient philosophers were very much interested in this. They were interested that really what is the world if it's predicated and based on what we're experiencing through our five senses. Now, that's the question that we need to sit with, and we all should be seeking that the answer to that question ourselves, because then we're engaging in a quality of mind that is just a lot greater than going to McDonald's. You know, it's a lot greater yeah. than going and doing that, that mundane task that everybody's doing to be a cog in the wheel. Right? And that's no offense to anyone who is in the cog. That's just saying, you know, you are profound. You are alive. Do you even know the probabilities of you being alive? So, you know, maybe we can just, the world, um, it's right under our nose. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Right? I, I love that, the by key. the way. I love that to the universe yeah I love that uh, I love that question you proposed there as well I'll I'll wrap my head around it there I love it Um, but I was something I want to ask you as well because to me it seems like um, it seems like sort of breathing to me seems like a consciousness technology sort of a way to bring back our consciousness back to the forefront of our body would you agree with that have you found that sort of like that breathing is this consciousness technology absolutely breathing consciousness is the breath yeah let let me read you something from uh, the Prasna Upanishad, uh, ancient um, yogic scripture that is uh, very old, very old. It says, Prana is the fire that burns and the sun that gives light. Prana is the wind and the rain and the thunder in the sky. Prana is matter and the immaterial, what is and what is not and what is beyond. On Prana all things reside, as spokes in the center of a wheel. From Prana have all scriptures come. From Prana was yoga transcribed. Prana is the first offering to the newborn, the chief bearer of gifts to all gods, and the first offering made to the departed. Prana is the truth spoken from the mouth of ancient sages. Of all lakes, Prana is the vast ocean. Of time, Prana is never-ending. Prana is the silence of hidden mysteries and the seed of all things that are. No being nor celestial wonder moves nor moves not without Prana. Prana is the wandering heavenly lights of the night sky. The rain that pours down from heaven, providing food in abundance. Prana is the breath of life, an invisible form found in the voice, the eye, and the ear, and which lives within the mind. Truly, there is no end to prana, and that which has been spoken here is but of only a shadow cast in the light of its own infinity. Wow. I wow. love that. Beautiful, that. Uh, that's absolutely beautiful, by the way, that. And, and um, as well, I think that we'll probably we'll wrap that up now as well, because um, I think we'll have to get you back on as well to dig, dig even deeper, because... Um, We'll have talked quite a bit of your time so far, but honestly, what a beautiful answer! And um, I just want to say as well, when you were talking, when when you said that passage there as well, it seems to me that um, in life, sort of when our um, that like to, to cultivate the breath, when our consciousness isn't it, the, isn't at the forefront of our body, sort of isn't at the driver's seat, sort of say of our meat suits, that's what I like to say. We sort of just operate on this automatic pilot, and I think when we're rushing around and um, letting our sort of heads run the game from that position, you cannot make real decisions. And I think what you've been talking about all through this podcast is. The breath is the manual to allow you to sort of tap back into that intuition and sort of bring your consciousness back to the forefront of your body where you can be the sort of the driver of your meat suit. Absolutely. Absolutely. The breath is the key. It's something that I whispered to my son when he was born and I I pulled him out. And the first thing I said to him as he was resting on my 
wife's chest was, I whispered in his ear, I said, son, follow the breath. The breath is the key. Because there's a saying that your child remembers the first thing the father says to him when, when he or she comes out of the womb. And it's very important to pick the right words that you speak to your child at that time with the right intention, with the right action of words and the right tone. And I shared that with him. And I, I know that it's been real and true for my life. And I know it's been true for sages of antiquity. And, um, you know, maybe I, I think the world just needs to see that, you know, we can do profound things and it can be accessed through the breath. If you get cold, like one thing, if you guys, um, you, where are you guys located right now? Yeah, we're in the UK, northeast of England. Northeast of England. So it gets yeah. cold. It's like Canada sometimes. Um, yeah, so yeah. I say a breathing pattern you guys could do that would influence your internal temperature. So are you, some, do you guys drive your car or do you catch the bus sometimes? Yeah, we've both got cars, yeah. yeah. You both got cars. So say you're outside one day and you're waiting for the bus or say you're at a park and you're with some friends just having a conversation. It's quite cold out and you find yourself actually cold and you've got a jacket on. If you sit there and engage in a few of these breaths, I'd say do you could do five to ten repetitions of them and you'll notice right away instantaneously that you begin to really change the temperature, the core temperature within your body positively. So what that is, is you're going to be inhaling and you could, you know, I'd say lengthen the breath for a count of seven. So you'd inhale for seven and then you're going to hold your breath at the peak of the inhale and you're going to hold for 30 seconds. When you hold your breath, it's important to drop the shoulders, to tilt the chin slightly down. And when you're holding the breath, it's called kumbhaka in pranayama we say. And kumbhaka means a cessation of the breath not a withdrawing or a holding of the breath. I know I said hold, but I'm just trying to get some terminology here that's relatable, but you're ceasing the breath, you're withdrawing the breath. So when you hold the breath, you're retaining it within the center of the torso, not the neck or the head. It's very important to contain and cease the breath and retain it right here in the center of the torso. And that's what makes the the kumbhaka, the retention, sustainable and lasting. So what you do is you engage in let's say 10 repetitions of inhaling for seven, hold for 30, exhaling for seven, in for seven, hold for 30, exhale for seven. Even after this podcast, if you guys just sit down with yourselves for a second, let the thoughts go of this whole conversation we had and just sit there and engage for 10 minutes, you'll notice your core temperature begins to be spiked. And you're good. You're good for like, you know, a good half an hour, an hour, and if you find yourself getting cold again, just drop right back into the breath for a good ten minutes. Wow, wow that's amazing. We're definitely going to do that as well. And, and thank you so much, Brad. I just want to ask you as well for that. Thanks for giving us that practical advice there, because I think the listeners are going to love that, so they can walk away with something as well. And mm. um, but I want to ask you this as well. You know, when you, when you do when you do focus on the breath, do you sort of visualize the whole the whole of your body like breathing as one? You know what I do is when I when I just focus on the breath, I just really don't think about anything. Wow. It, it, there's nothing fancy about it. It just, if you find your mind going a little, your mind's just a little fluttered and it's, it's moving back and forth between thoughts. Just focus your gaze um, kind of at the center point of your brow line with your eyes closed and just allow your, it's really important to allow the fluttering of your eyelids um, to just cease uh-huh. and just relax and just, and just allow yourself to just focus on the breath. And the one thing that can really help, people who have really active minds is is engaging in a breath count internally. So, you know, one of my favorite, I still do it to this day, um, is my favorite thing is, you know, before I had my, I had my practice, uh, before um, jumping on this podcast with you guys, maybe about an hour beforehand, and 
So my, my favorite thing is just sitting here and inhaling for 120 seconds, exhaling for 120 seconds, inhaling for 120 seconds, exhaling for 120 seconds. And this is one thing maybe we could tap on next time we, you know, if we have another conversation is talking about the profound implications of the breath and how there is no ceiling to breathing. And what I mean by that is where I once used to only be able to inhale for 10 seconds and exhale for 10 seconds, now I can inhale. I think the the peak that I've got to before is about three minutes, being able to inhale for three minutes and exhale for three minutes. Now I'm talking about lengthening and stretching and slowing down the breath where you're taking one inhale for three minutes and then one exhale for three minutes. There's no ceiling where I once thought it was 10 seconds. Now I'm at three minutes. Can you imagine if I was interested now i'm not interested in chasing that i'm not i haven't been running competitions on myself seeing how far can i get how far can i get with this i just let myself gradually increase and you know i I could imagine if i tried i could get further and further there's stories of yogis being able to inhale for 15 minutes hold the breath for 15 minutes exhale for 15 minutes hold for 15 minutes well how many breaths would you be taking in a span of 24 hours Bloody hell. Well, it was amazing. I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna actually try that, mate. I love that. I love the sound of that. I'm really gonna try that. I'm gonna try tapping into that. Yeah, yeah do so. It's, it's a wonderful, it's, 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 it's an interesting experience. Love that. Pa- a lot of panic will come up. A lot of suffocating, like, feelings will come up and stuff. I think there's so much to the breath that we saw yet to, exp- on a, to explore, Engel. And I think just understanding this today and just giving some attention to it and highlighting it, it's, breathing, in fact, is like the most, underrated component of the human body what we all we all think it's something external but the truth is all this internal breathing and the external release of the breath it, it is who we are and we just like to both thank you for coming on today and really exploring this with us and and really sharing your knowledge thank you well thank you thank you for having me both of you guys and i, I really appreciate it it's been wonderful chatting with you guys and there's nothing more that i enjoy than having a wonderful conversation about you know, just enlightening topics, topics that are of, of great interest, topics that spark a quality of the mind that creates intrigue and, and wonder. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you. Absolutely. And bless both of you guys. And uh, I look forward to chatting with you again sometime. How about this? One thing that I could uh, maybe ask of you guys respectfully is to that breath that I told you about heating the body up. Uh-huh. Maybe you guys, if you, if you incorporate that for like a week straight and just tell me what happens next time we chat, what, what, what kind of quality of mind begins oh, be cool, and really, really doc, document yourself, analyze the quality of your mind before engaging and then the quality of your mind after. And just let me know what you've noticed after a week of doing it every day. Yeah, well, that'd cool. be cool. I love, yeah. I love little stuff like that. I really do love stuff like that. Thank you so much for that. I love a challenge. Totally, totally. <laughs> no, no problem. Thank you so much for your time, though. We've kept you for a bit of your time as well. So thank you so much, and thank we'll you. be in contact because that was a beautiful podcast. Thank you. Okay, take care, guys. Thanks so much for listening to the podcast, and thank you so much again, Engel, for coming on to the podcast and sharing his knowledge and wisdom. And please check out Engel's website, www.pranayamasadhunana.com, where there is a free introductory pranayama course where it's all about the science of yogic breathing, where you can learn some of the basic fundamentals of pranayama and begin to heal and develop your practice of breathing from the comfort of your own home. And why not also give yourself a 30-day breathing challenge, just like the one Engel gave to me, Chris, at the end of the podcast, which we're definitely going to do. 
every morning for 30 days, even just give yourself 5 minutes to just focus on your breath and I know it will change your day in life. So anyway, I really hope you enjoyed this conversation. We have loads more amazing mind-stretching guests coming on the podcast in the future. And all the links to our Patreon page and Engel's online course are also in the show notes at the Ascend podcast website. And if you guys really do believe in what we're doing on the podcast, please just take a few minutes and support the podcast if you can. And even just pledge $1. Every bit we can get will really be amazing and really help us take this to the next level. So anyway, thanks so much for listening and we love you all and we'll catch you next week. Keep seeking everyone. Peace.